On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model 3 is officially the safest car the United States government has ever crash-tested. The Tesla community reacts to software version 9.0's release. Tesla's Gigafactory in China inches closer and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joining you for episode 167 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for October 14th, 2018. To my left on the floor currently is Daisy the Boxer Puppy, chewing away on uh, a dental chew. So keeping busy and working on her oral hygiene. Can't complain about that. Good job, Daisy. All right, lots to get to once again this week. As always, never a dull week. In the world of Tesla, I am happy to say I finally got my re- my tire replaced, my faulty left rear tire that had taken two nails, and I had some trouble. Told you last week, some frustration trying to get a 20-inch tire from Tesla. It took exactly one week, actually uh, more. It took eight days from the the time of the original service appointment to getting a new one installed. But I will say this: uh, the Tesla of San Francisco. They took good care of me once once the tire did arrive. So, um, unfortunately, I have to add for you folks, I was told specifically by the, the uh, service center person helping me that uh, Tesla does not offer road hazard protection on their tires. But I, so I said, well, you know, could I just order them from someplace like Tire Rack in the future and get the warranty from them and just have them shipped here? And she said, absolutely, you can totally do that. So, and I told her I, I would very much prefer to just do it all at once with Tesla. But if they're not going to offer road hazard, which I've always bought on all of my tires for any car, I guess from now on, once I actually need a, a proper set of actual full set of tires, I will do uh, just go have to go the tire rack route probably that which they do sell the Model Three performance specific variant of that Michelin uh, Pilot 4S tire, but which it's got the it's got the in sound insulating foam in it. That's kind of what makes it the Tesla unique thing. Anyway, just a, a word of warning to all of you who who may be uh, looking to get tires just through t- Tesla directly at some point. Anyway. Uh, elsewhere, a quick note as well, winter is on its way here as we make our way into mid-October already. Man, time is flying this year. And I wanted to pass along word from Reddit, thanks to the Tesla Motors Reddit for alerting me and everyone else to the fact that Tesla is now finally offering their own first-party official OEM manufacturer all-weather floor mats. There have been third-party solutions before, which plenty of ones that people like or don't like this you know there's no shortage of of choices that's the good news well now tesla is selling their own they are 145 dollars for the whole interior set daisy's knocking over stuff over here what are you doing pops uh 145 bucks free shipping if you are patient to wait on the shipping i just had to pay some sales tax on that but so mine is ordered i'm just going to be leaving them probably if if not in the garage, maybe in the trunk proper in case <laughs> rainy season around here could start at any time. 
and I don't want to get my uh, my regular mats all messed up. So I'll give you some impressions of them as far as the, the quality of them, the fit of them once they arrive. But if you are interested, they are available on shop.tesla.com. I imagine the first batch will sell out quickly if they haven't already. Hopefully they haven't by the time you hear this so that uh, you've got a shot at getting them. But in any case, they are now available. In fact, let me just, yep, they are, they're already sold out. I'm checking right now. So keep checking back. I'm sure they're going to restock them. Uh, try to get yourself a pair, a set of those in time for your climates, uh, summer or, pardon me, summer, snow season, winter season, or uh, in a, if you're in a climate like here, the rainy season. Moving on to the Tesla news this week. First up, some excellent news. Model 3 is the safest car that the NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Association, has ever tested, ever. The Tesla blog writing it up saying, quote, NHTSA tested Model 3 long-range rear-wheel drive as part of its new car assessment program. A series of crash tests used to calculate the likelihood of serious bodily injury for front side and rollover crashes. The agency's data shows that vehicle occupants are less likely to get seriously hurt in these types of crashes when in a Model 3 than in any other car. NHTSA's previous tests of Model S and Model X still hold the record for the second and third lowest probabilities of injury, making Tesla vehicles the best ever rated by the NHTSA. We expect similar results for other Model 3 variants, including our dual-motor vehicles, when they are rated. They continued, many companies try to build cars that perform well in crash tests, and every car company claims their vehicles are safe. But when a crash happens in real life, these test results show that if you are driving a Tesla, you have the best chance of avoiding serious injury. Now, for some reason, the NHTSA saw fit to release a statement uh, this week in the wake of Tesla's uh, blog here saying, and they said this, quote, Results from these three crash tests and the rollover resistance assessments are weighted and combined into an overall safety rating. A five-star rating is the highest safety rating a vehicle can achieve. NHTSA does not distinguish safety performance beyond that rating, thus there is no, quote, safest vehicle among those vehicles achieving five-star ratings. Well, that seems a little bit silly. Uh, because they're they're basically trying to downplay Tesla's achievement here, which I think is a little bit unfair. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Elon responded to this on Twitter and saying, a Tesla is objectively much safer in a crash than all other cars, according to NHTSA's own, his emphasis, calculations. This is just physics. He says with an exclamation mark. So, because uh, again, yeah, it's just odd to me. The data is all there. The data is what it is. As, as the kids say, ball don't lie. <laughs> but uh, regardless, what is amazing to me about this is that, you know, we buy our Teslas knowing how cool it is that they get better over time 
thanks to over-the-air updates. But in this case, it turns out the car was even better than we thought this whole time. Speaking of over-the-air software updates, version 9.0 is out, and the community is reacting to it. In fact, here's Ron from Nashville, who has a Model S, so he saw uh, arguably the biggest change, because the whole look and feel of it changed, as opposed to the Model 3, where we just got some features retaining the same look. So uh, here's Ron with his reaction, which I think sort of speaks for a number of Model S and Model X folks in the community. Ron? Hey, Ryan. This is Ron from Nashville. Um, just uh, downloaded my version 9 um, update, and um, the features look really cool um, as far as functionality. Um, just just driving it for the first time um, with after the update. Um, but what I don't like about this, um, the um, my particular concern is um, I'm, I really liked the reversibility of two screens. Specifically, I'd like if I had my nav on, I liked the uh, the ability to have my navigation on, uh, use my front screen for that have my camera on the top and my music at the bottom. Um, it appears that that functionality is gone. So now I have the nav screen as my main screen and I can only do music or camera at the bottom. So I can't have the functionality, the three-way functionality of nav, camera, and music at the bottom. And I, I, I'm really disappointed that um, that functionality is gone. So. I mean, maybe it's not, and I just haven't figured out how to get that configuration, but it's, it's a little disappointing to have that functionality gone. Um, I think the reversibility of two screens was, it was superior, um, and I'm sorry to see that that, that that has changed. But otherwise, the other features that I read about um, in the update look really good, so I'm looking forward to those, but um, kind of disappointed that it, it's, uh, you know, like, I don't have the same um, looking forward to getting my car and using this um, the interface uh, like I did uh, previously. But still love the car. It's just the interface. I think they did did us a disservice by uh, taking away that functionality. Anyway, thanks. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you for that feedback, Ron. As I mentioned, this software update is is uh, inarguably a much bigger change for Model S and Model X owners than it is for Model 3 owners. And I have to tell you that you are hardly the only person who has sent me this specific feedback. Uh, Ron sent his call. He called in on the morning that V9 started to go out wide last weekend. And other people who got it quickly were already tweeting me with that exact same kind of feedback. Uh, I've said before how for me, whenever I'm driving my cousin Pat's Model S in Arizona, I very much personally prefer to have the backup camera not only on at all times, but up at the top of the screen to help cover the blind spots uh, when changing lanes in the car because the, the S and X camera are just wonderfully high def and just very high quality, and they cover really all the blind spots. They have such a wide field of view. It's I love it. But um, so to hear this, it, it's quite unfortunate that, that you can no longer have the camera up there. 
But given how strong this particular piece of feedback already is in the community, I'm hoping that Tesla is gonna restore the uh, positional flexibility of at least the camera with uh, the inevitable 9.1 release, which you remember Elon had told me on Twitter a couple weeks ago that 9.1 would also have more features for the dash cam, that the, the version that initially is out here is a basic version. Now, I managed, I thought I was gonna make it to the recording of this show without getting 9.0. I even tried to, uh, to game the system a little bit when I was at the service center on Thursday getting my tire replaced, I asked them, could you please push 9.0 to me? And they uh, politely said they couldn't, that it was being rolled out in phases. So, you know, they're, they, uh, I, I get it. Like, they probably just don't want owners rolling up in there asking for people to, asking for them to, <laughs> to push software updates to them. But in any case, uh, I suppose by coincidence, that night... I did get the notification on my phone that the software update was available. It only took about 20 minutes. It was a really quick update, even though it tells you, hey, this might take quite a while. Are you sure you want to do this now? I'm like, yes, please do it. But yeah, it was a quick install. And I have to say, I, my first impressions are very good overall. There's a lot of little tiny quality of life kind of changes that I like. The clock, I find myself, I, I do check the time on a regular basis for whatever reason. In fact, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite features in my old Infinity was a, a long-running Infinity feature. There was an analog clock in the top center of the dashboard, which I always liked because I could just glance and it was big. It was right there. Always liked that. Well, in the Model 3, it had the time had been you know, small little digital clock in the upper right corner of the Model 3 dashboard. Now it's it's actually in the center of the dashboard at the top. So I like that that's a little closer to the driver. So it's kind of like right next to the, uh, you know, that after after the left side with the the car render, you know, the, and, the, and the speedometer. So I like that. That's over there. And then uh, the maps, so the navigation... The list of directions, the list of turns has been moved from the far right side of the screen to the far left. That feels weird for right now. I think when I get used to it, I'm going to end up liking it better because my your eyes don't have to go quite as far. Now, um, I don't like, though, I always liked that it used to show the percentage of battery you'd have at your destination all the time. Now that's kind of like you have to expand the view for it to do that, and when you expand the view, it zooms the map out. So I don't care for that as well, because uh, I like the zoomed-in map to sort of know my immediate surroundings rather than the bigger picture of the trip. But uh, so there's that. And then as for you know the big stuff, uh, the dash cam works nicely. I got a USB stick and tried that out for, uh, you'll see the instructions when you get the update, but it's very easy. Just format a USB stick to FAT32 as the, the file system, and then create a, a folder on that formatted USB stick called Tesla Cam. And then all you gotta do is plug it into one of the front two USB ports that's uh, you know under in the front of the center console, just lift up 
the phone charger dock station there and plug into one of them. Now, uh, that means one of those is taken, but you can get a, a, a listener kindly pointed me to a splitter, the $6 USB splitter on Amazon, uh, Onvian, O-N-V-I-A-N, so that's six bucks. I ordered that, that'll be here next week, and he says he's got it and it works. You can plug in then the the other your other phone dock charging cable, in my case, the, the right side of the Jada wireless charging mat, and have the the USB stick going for the dash cam. I just, in fact, just before I recorded, I I pulled the stick and reviewed some of the footage. And as you may have seen it online, the the quality of the footage is actually very nice. It's a a pretty decent resolution, pretty nice quality. Like if anything ever happened, you'd have something there and you'd be able to definitely make out license plates of cars in front of you. So that is, that is a nice feature now to have constant access to, and, and that feature is only going to get better with 9.1. Elon talking about uh, uh, making more of the cameras available for it, and hopefully uh, as well making it so that you can activate it remotely, and, or, or it can be triggered if, there's, if the car, if it detects motion near the car. So it's not just usable when the car is in motion, which is how it is right now. What else could I tell you about my reaction to 9.0? The big one is more autopilot cameras. The other cameras have been turned on. That means the more of the surrounding cars are rendered on your screen. And that is really nice because it'll show you blind spots. It'll, it it just, it looks all around the car now. And I really, really like that. Plus, as you, as I've uh, mentioned on the show before in the, in the V9 preview, it does render different types of vehicles, and it's you know it's pretty good about it, of showing you know an SUV. It's got SUV. It's got small, uh, like moving truck style truck, larger big rig bus. It's got uh, motorcycle, and then it's got pedestrian as well. I uh, I did was able to see the pedestrians pop up on there a couple times also. So very cool to see autopilot recognizing more stuff and, and categorizing it appropriately. The other big feature that's added that I'll just mention real quick. The other one that, you know, that I had said I was really looking forward to was the blind spot monitoring. And as I mentioned, it's if you put your signal on to change lanes and there's something in your blind spot, the line on your screen that's indicating that side of the lane will turn red. Well, that's fine, but I found in practice today, and again, this is these are literally, these are one day impressions. I got it last night. I've only driven the car today, uh, one day here as I record this. But I do think, and I've seen this feedback, I'm hardly the first person to mention this, it needs something else, ideally like an audible piece of feedback. So if it's Along with the red line, could you give me a chime to let me know to just more more easily and more clearly and arguably more quickly know without having to glance at the screen, hey, there's somebody in the blind spot there. So uh, hopefully that is something that can be tweaked for 9.1 or, or another release shortly thereafter that. But overall, I think it is a nice step forward. Uh, the, you know, the Model 3 gets the energy screen, took a quick look at that. It's just nice to have you get a much better look on a, on a graph of how your energy usage is going over time, over either, you know, five miles, 15 miles, 30 miles. Uh, 
or a trip. So that's cool. And then, uh, honestly, the web browser, I, all I did was type in teslapodcast.libsyn.com and it popped right up. And I, I don't know if I'll use the web browser much. I think the only time I might ever use it would be at a supercharger. If I were sitting there and wanting to check something out, it'd be kind of nice to have that screen rather than your little phone screen. But then again, if you want to look at video or sound, video or audio, the screen's not going to do that in the car. You need to use your phone for that. So I think probably pretty limited use for the web browser, but it's nice that it's there. And then uh, the calendar stuff is all worked in as well, which you Model S and Model X owners have had for a while. I haven't had a chance to test that. Although, oh good, that does remind me though. So I had an appointment at a game publisher today down uh, down on the peninsula. So a good 25 something mile. I was down at Electronic Arts today. And uh, so before I left IGN, I remembered another new feature I could try, which was I pulled out my phone put in, uh, you know, pulled up, opened Google Maps and typed in electronic arts and, you know, hit directions. And then you can, you know, you can hit from there. There's a little button in the corner to send those directions to the Tesla. So I did that two clicks. And then sure enough, when I went down to get in my car uh, downstairs to then head off to my appointment at EA, the, the destination was already in the navigation system and it was ready to go. So that's cool. I think that's a that's a really nice convenience quality of life feature right there. So be curious to hear what all of your thoughts are on 9.0 as it rolls out to the rest of the fleet and we'll see what sort of common issues and and uh good good and bad, common criticisms and common likes are in this that Tesla can continue to refine or or try to work on in the case of the criticisms. Next up this week, so I gave you the sales data about the Model 3 being the fourth best-selling sedan in America, whether it's electric or not. Talked about that on last week's show. But greencarreports.com, via, I saw this via insideevs.com, hat tip to both of them. So greencarreports.com, reporting that the Model 3 was also the number one selling plug-in in Canada in September. So that will include, it's not every car, but that's going to include not just electrics, but plug-in hybrids as well, such as the Prius Prime and the Chevy Volt. And the Model 3 was number one there by a factor of two over the Nissan Leaf. Inside EVs notes wisely that the number there is probably going to take a bit of a dip in October due to, as uh, I hate to bring up a sore subject for those of you in Ontario, that a very abrupt and very unceremonious end to the very generous EV rebate program that Ontario had going that, of course, came to a screeching halt in mid-September there. But I would imagine, nevertheless, that the, the odds are good that Model 3 is still going to be number one on that list for Canada in October, but I agree with Inside EV's assessment on that, that the overall plug-in sales are probably going to be down a little bit from September because of the end of, uh, of Ontario's program there. Next item up for bids this week. Yeah, a little Price is Right reference. What's up? Electric, noting 
that Wyoming Senator John Barrasso, remember this name, has introduced a bill in Congress that would eliminate the $7,500 federal tax credit on electric vehicles, and it would introduce a highway usage tax on EVs. From the proposal, quote, a bill to amend the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 to terminate the credit for new qualified plug-in electric drive motor vehicles and to provide for a federal highway user fee on alternative fuel vehicles. Well, my knee-jerk reaction to this is certainly to say that this is unfairly targeting electric cars at the behest of the oil industry. And maybe, maybe that will ultimately be what the truth is shown to be. But before I do jump to that conclusion, I think it is fair to note that part of the taxes affixed to gasoline do go towards highway maintenance, which electric vehicles are obviously not paying. So as long as it's fair, then I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Uh, I won't like it if it passes. Certainly, who would? You know, who? If you're not paying, you don't. Know, you probably don't want to pay. But uh, there is that side of it. Now, then again, I, I wanted to look up my own counterargument here. I found a, a note from the in, uh, pardon me, the Institute for Energy Research broke down that whole thing about gas taxes paying for highway maintenance, and their study found that, quote, taxes on gasoline at all levels as of 2010 only covered 43% of total spending on state and local roads. Governments at all levels are already covering road construction and maintenance costs with tolls and other forms of tax, end quote. So I guess we'll see on this. We'll see. Now, Tesla would be relatively unaffected by the end of the $7,500 credit because they've already triggered the phase-out. I mean, if it, if it would cut it off completely immediately with no phase-out, well, that's, then that's certainly bad news for uh, everyone buying a Model 3 in 2019, including the, the, the poor standard battery folks and I don't mean, I mean, poor, let me, <laughs> I'm criticizing my own thought, uh, but I'm just mean, I feel bad for them because they've waited so, so long and the tax credit threshold has already been crossed. And so the phase out's been triggered. That's what I'm talking about by that. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, obviously, I'm still rooting against this bill. I'm, I admit I'm biased as a Tesla fanboy in that regard, but I do believe that we still need to incentivize the purchase of electric vehicles because it's such a huge shift for any, any family that buys one. It's a big shift. It's, it takes a lot to make that leap of faith. You do have to change your habits. Now, of course, most of us would argue that they're better habits. Oh, you start every day with a full quote-unquote tank. You know, the, the the maintenance costs, the emissions, this, that, the other thing. But nevertheless, it's changes. People like routine. Change is difficult for many people, including me. I'm very much a creature of habit. Uh, it took the Roadster to excite me about electric vehicles nine years ago in order to get me, 
you know, down the rabbit hole of all things Tesla and electric cars. But it is. It's a big leap of faith for people to switch their cars over to electric cars. But, you know, hey, EVs are they're better for the environment. Uh, you got an American company kicking butt in Tesla. You've got uh, another one in Chevy that has the Bolt. That's a good. It's a good product. That it would be great. You know, it, it would be it'd be great to see more of them sold, and it would be a shame for the tax credit to be taken away, which would remove an incentive for people to give a Chevy Bolt a try. If they're if they're too intimidated by Tesla, oh, startup company, I don't know. But oh, Chevy, they've been around forever. Like oh, they've got this Bolt. Okay, but you take away that seventy five hundred dollars, that's no good. Who who does that help except the establishment, except the oil industry? But so I would like to see governments incentivize buyers to make that leap of faith. Just my opinion. Perhaps you'll respectfully disagree, but that is that. We'll keep an eye on uh, Mr. Barrasso and his new bill. This one uh, is actually the final news item of the week coming via Bloomberg, and that is this. Tesla appears to be on the verge of closing a $145 million land deal in Shanghai, China for Gigafactory 3. Bloomberg writing, quote, the car maker is the sole bidder for a plot of land with an auction price of about 1 billion yuan. Uh, pardon me if I mispronounced that, which is $145 million. The people said asking not to be identified as the information is public. A decision by the Shanghai government to allocate the land to Tesla could be made as soon as this month, according to their same sources. So hopefully this can get done quickly and easily. It seems like it's it's very much on its way to that exact outcome since Bloomberg's own report states that Tesla's the only bidder for this land. So that's certainly a good sign. Um, Got to figure that uh, this, is, this is just huge for the future of the company. I mean, that plant, it's earmarked, the, the, the Shanghai Gigafactory, it is earmarked to eventually produce half a million cars per year. Certainly, almost certainly, all of those for the Chinese market, no doubt. Uh, so again, that that means that means that it's going to be physically huge. I mean, it's like geographically, physically, a huge factory because that place is going to have to produce the batteries and the cars. So. That also means that you can expect this project to create a lot of jobs as well. Uh, Now, as you may remember from when I first talked about this a couple of months ago, Tesla will not have to pay any tariffs on the cars that they build there, nor will they have to share ownership of that plant with the Chinese government. That uh, exemption was recent, was made recently. So what that means is that costs are going to be at a minimum for Tesla and thus by extension for consumers. So that is that means a lot of Model 3s can pump out of that place by the time this thing is built. Um, in fact, maybe by the time this thing is built, it's possible there may be Model Ys coming out of there as well. So can't wait to see this get done and hopefully break ground very, very soon. There's your Tesla week in review on the news side. As usual, 
I've got plenty of great calls from you guys, the Ride the Lightning audience, queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. And then after that, I'll talk to you a little bit about my week with the spirit of adventure, what I got up to this week in my Model 3. So stay tuned for all that right after this. Welcome to this week's edition of the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your time to shine, your calls, which are your thoughts, your questions, your comments, discussion topics. I remind you, I invite you to participate. Would love to hear from you. You can uh, call me one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software to record a 60 to 90 second question and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can send that same 60 to second uh, pardon me 60 to 90 second question to the ride the lightning hotline the toll-free number you just call in and leave a message the number is 1-888-989-8752 that's 1-888-989-TSLA and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday anniversary graduation or some other special occasion you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And a quick note, in fact, that the uh, Patreon-exclusive bonus episode for October is up for those folks who are uh, pledging at that tier or higher on the Patreon. And those callers, I want to shout them out in case they hear this and maybe they are not patrons, just to let <laughs> let them know that uh, even if they don't sign up for it, that they're st- they've still been heard. So we got Joe in New York on that show, Lawton from Chicago, Darren from Roanoke, David from Salt Lake City, Luke from Des Moines, Tom from Chicago, Steve in Seattle, Anthony from Long Island, Dave from Cleveland, Juan from Sacramento, Bill from San Francisco, Michael from Milbrae, and Andy from Orangeburg. So uh, you guys are all in that October Patreon exclusive show. If you're curious to learn more about what that is, well, I'll just tell you. It's where uh, it's an extra episode every month just for Patreon supporters where with all the extra calls that I can't get to during the, the regular weekly show, they pile up and they, we just do a big, big giant Ride the Lightning Hotline edition for that. So anyway, let's get started with John in San Diego, who uh, has an interesting observation based on his experiences at Tesla service centers. John, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is John from San Diego calling in again. I just dropped off my Model X at the service center and they gave me a Model S 75D loaner car. And it got me thinking, every loaner car that I've had so far has not had the autopilot software turned on. Now, I can understand if they give you an old car that perhaps doesn't have the hardware installed, but you would think with a brand new Model S, which this is, I think it has hardware 2.5 installed, or at least 2.0, I don't know how to tell the difference between the two, but with that said, you'd think that they would install it as an opportunity to convert users that don't have it installed because they drive it and see how awesome and convenient it is. And then for drivers that already have it, you'd think it's a perk that they don't want to lose. And it's just software, it doesn't cost them anything to turn it on. The only thing I can think of is perhaps they're worried about the safety of somebody turning it on that's not prepared for it. But 
to me there's a simple training video or whatever that sort of walks you through that. Anyway, I just wanted to know if that's a standard across the board or if I've just gotten unlucky getting cars that don't have autopilot turned on. Anyway, keep up the good work. I love your podcast. Talk soon. Well, John, that is a great question. And it's one that I couldn't answer myself, so I asked a uh, Tesla employee friend who works in service, and that person shall remain anonymous. They told me that, that uh, many of the service loaners are actually owned by Enterprise, which I certainly ran into in my first service center experience when they couldn't take care of my car right then and there, and they had to give me a loaner, and I told you about that whole, <laughs> that whole first world scenario that I that I went through with that. Uh, and anyway, this Tesla employee notes that those enterprise owned cars, they never, they, they apparently just never purchase autopilot on those cars. So, um, now you can, you can, he, he, uh, sends along a little note here too, that you can check for those cars because they have a small little barcode in the left rear window. Um, but they do also have their own Tesla-owned service fleet, and uh, this person notes that those typically do have autopilot enabled uh, if, if the car is recent enough to have autopilot hardware. So there is hope that you may one day get a loaner that has autopilot on it. Hope that helps. John, let's go to BJ in Salt Lake City. Up next, wanted to talk about the 14-day trial for autopilot. BJ, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, BJ from Salt Lake City. Hey, uh, love the podcast. Huge Tesla fan for many, many years. I took delivery of my Model 3 a couple of months ago, and I didn't get autopilot. And I noticed something interesting when I tried the 14-day free trial, and I wondered if you had uh, any answers to this question. Um, when I was using autopilot, uh, I noticed there were a few streets that have a speed limit posted, uh, you know, like, let's say, 50 miles per hour but the speed limit on autopilot and in the car would say that it was only 40 miles per hour. So if I was using autopilot, it would only drive up to 45 and stay under the speed limit. Um, I used to think that the cameras on the uh, car could actually read the street signs. And I think I got that from like Tesla self-driving videos or whatever, but it kind of appears like it's more attached to the maps or something. Um, Anyway, I was wondering what you do in the case where, let's say you got a daily commute where there's a stretch of road that's got the wrong speed limit on your Model 3 compared to real life. How do you fix that if you want to use autopilot on a regular basis? Um, anyway, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Yeah, I have a couple of known spots like that in my regular driving areas too, BJ. I, and I, I tell you, I also used to think that autopilot would just read the speed limit signs with the cameras, but... Instead, it, it does seem to be GPS-based, so it's like whatever that area is, is tagged at uh, GPS-wise for the speed limit, that's what the car throws up there for you. But for me, there it's a, it's a stretch of freeway that's just as you're either coming into or going out of San Francisco, an autopilot thinks it's 30 miles per hour. And what I actually, what I think is going on, I don't actually know, but what I think is going on with with that specific spot is that it's an elevated freeway and there's a surface street that runs parallel to the, that freeway pretty much right underneath it. And I think it thinks that I'm on that. So, uh, the good news, you can override it. You only can't override autopilot, uh, speed wise. If there's 
if you've activated autopilot in an area where there's oncoming traffic that's directly adjacent to you, so like a you know one lane in either direction thing, uh, if you have that, it limits auto steer to five miles per hour over the posted limit. I I saw that in with my own experience when I was uh, cruising down the Pacific Coast Highway a few weekends ago. I think I told you about that with all the all the Model Three owners I was waving to. That's one lane each way for most of it. So if it's 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 50 miles an hour for a lot of it, so you can only auto steer autopilot up to 55 in those spots. Hope that helps. Uh, I always try to do my best to help. Jonathan from Atlanta got a beta tester invite from Tesla and wants to talk about that. Jonathan, you're on the air. Hey Ryan, Jonathan from Atlanta. Long time listener and uh, maybe second time caller. But I had a quick question regarding an email I got last week. I got an email from Tesla inviting me to be a part of their beta uh, software testing program. And I was a bit surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised, but was wondering how did I get selected? I asked some of the guys at the service center and their eyes kind of widened when I said I got an email uh, inviting me to be a beta tester. They couldn't give me a reason. And uh, the only thing I can figure is that Atlanta is a kind of a hot market for Tesla. Not only that, but I drive a lot. I have nearly 10,000 miles on my car and I've only owned it for about four months. And I tend to use autopilot uh, quite a bit. So I don't know if that has anything to do with me being selected, but I think uh, all of us in the Tesla community would kind of like you to maybe use your sources or maybe just try to figure out uh, how it is that uh, some of us could could uh, maybe be selected by changing some driving habits. Uh, other than that, uh, again, love the show. I'm on my first long road trip from Atlanta to Cincinnati to visit my dad. And uh, just an observation is that uh, when driving through the mountains, listeners may want to kind of charge their cars a little bit more than the uh, maps suggest when you're at a supercharger because uh, the mountains kind of sap your, your energy. Um, and I don't know, I had it readjust at one point and, and showed a 5% uh, energy left to get to my destination um, after uh, initially showing 21% left, so I had to make an extra stop. So just got to keep that in mind. Um, sorry for the long call, but uh, anyway, keep up the hard work. Thanks. Thank you for the call, Jonathan, and for the tip as well. It's definitely a good suggestion, particularly if you haven't road tripped in a Tesla before, and I'm raising my hand, I am in that group. <laughs> my first one might end up being that Arizona trip that I'm planning for over the holidays. Uh, to your question, I'm afraid I don't have any friends or sources on the autopilot team to try and dig into this, but you're thinking right along with me. That I, Everything you said in your call is what I was thinking right before you said it as I was first listening to your call. I agree that your geography, your usage and your driving habits probably all factor into it. So I would just say enjoy it, but as you're probably well aware, but just to be super clear about it, be prepared for things to not work quite right uh, in those beta releases. Now for some people, it's that is totally not a problem, and they are excited to, to not only have the release early, but to have the opportunity to contribute feedback. For other people... And I would probably count myself in this group. For me, for me personally, I would just as soon wait for the cleaner, more stable full release. I'm kind of that way with my video games too. Like, you know, Steam Early Access has has become such a huge thing 
over the last few years in games. But for me, I know this is kind of apples and oranges here, but just hear me out for a second, I guess. Uh, you know, game. there's so many great games. There's, there's way more great games to play than there is time. So for me, I would just assume, like, I will play your excellent-looking video game when it's actually done and polished up and, and cleaned up rather than, like, I don't, I don't really want to have my sleeves rolled up and be, be down and dirty in the muck. I appreciate those who are willing and happy and able to do that. Believe me, they're making the, the product better. But, yeah, for me... I, I would just as soon hang back for the final release. But I would tell you, Jonathan, enjoy it. You're going to get some fun sneak peeks at new stuff before everybody else does. Like, you know, I was talking earlier about the the additional dash cam footage, uh, dash cam features, rather, that Elon promised for the post 9.0 release, probably hopefully 9.1. Well, you should get a look at that sooner than everybody else does. Matt in Fremantle, Western Australia is next and wants to talk GPS stuff. So Matt, the floor is yours. Hey Ryan, this is Matt from Fremantle in Western Australia. I was wondering what the GPS experience is like in the Model 3. Does it have an inbuilt offline downloaded map GPS function? Does it only work with services like Google Maps where you have to have a constant connection to the internet? Does it use the phone's internet service or the car's uh, 3G or 4G internet service for that kind of thing. And the second question I have is, can you plug in an Android or an Apple phone into the USB port directly and have it play audiobooks, podcasts, music uh, into the audio system in the car? Or do you have to only work via Bluetooth, which is usually a much slower way of doing things? All right. Thank you. Bye. Good questions here, Matt. Uh, it's definitely Google Maps based. I can tell you that much. And, and from what I can tell, it only works live over the car's cellular connection. I know the early Model S's had a quite kind of a quote unquote physical GPS in case you didn't have a, a cellular connection. And in fact, though, when I look at the Model 3 design studio now, as I was digging into your question, it doesn't actually mention the term GPS anywhere. All it says is, quote, satellite maps with live traffic visualization, end quote. So I don't think it's got an actual GPS in it, but I believe it does download maps into the car for storage for use, uh, basically effectively local use. And I, I'm getting that per the reports of people who monitor their car's upload and download activity at home via their Wi-Fi router. They see what their car's doing at nights. And it does download map stuff. As to your phone connection question, you can plug phones in, but it is only for charging. The actual connection with the phone is Bluetooth only, even if it's plugged into a USB port. I did learn this for certain during my volunteering time at the Fremont Delivery Hub. Um, I got to say, Tesla's, th their external music interfacing system it's definitely an area that could use some improvement in a number of ways. There's there's no doubt about it. Hopefully it'll get better over time. Next caller here is John from Hudson Valley, New York, responding to the caller that had a dual motor mistakenly on their Monroe, uh, pardon me, Monroe sticker rather than performance. John, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is John from the Hudson Valley, New York, again. 
And I'm just calling in regards to the caller from the most recent episode uh, in regards to, he was questioning whether or not he actually had a performance model three. His Monroney sticker indicates that he had a performance model uh, or the Monroney sticker or the window sticker. It wasn't the same situation. Uh, I bought a performance model three uh, and I looked closely at the Monroney sticker and nowhere on there did it indicate that I had the performance version and the cost even reflected just the all-wheel drive version. Uh, but I got some good feedback from the dealership, uh, from the folks that worked at the dealership in Mount Pisco, New York. And uh, what, I, what they told me was that there are two indications that you can look for as a sort of verification that you do have the performance model. And the first is on the Tesla app. I have the iOS app. If you open it up, scroll to the bottom, and down where it says Model 3 Dual Motor, the dual motor should be underlined with a red underline. Additionally, you can go into the settings in the car app and look for the uh, dual motor with a red underline as well. So that can give you some form of verification about that. Uh, thanks again. Keep up the good work. You are correct, John. Thank you. Uh, and certainly, if the car has the performance package with those red calipers and bigger, bigger brakes, that's a dead giveaway, as are the aluminum pedals inside the car. But not everyone orders that package. So yes, your two ways are definitely the definitive ways to know. And I'll tell you, it seems like Monroney sticker errors might be relatively common, because I actually had one too. In fact, I didn't even notice it in the excitement of my delivery. It took a friend of mine who is very keen on all things Tesla that, that drove us to Fremont to the delivery. Uh, she caught it. I, <laughs> it. Mine, it didn't have enhanced autopilot listed on the Monroney sticker, even though I did order and pay for it. So... They, that was pointed out, and my delivery specialist promptly went back inside, corrected it, and printed me off a new one right there on the spot. No problem. Next up is Glenn from Virginia responding to fellow Virginian Josh about that same Monroney issue. A slightly different take on this topic here, which is why I'm playing a second call on this same question. So, Glenn, go ahead. Hi, this is Glenn from Virginia calling in in response to Josh's from Virginia's call, sort of along the same topic. So I have a dual motor Model 3 non-performance with full self-driving. I want to go ahead and use the autopilot from day one, which is why I went with that. I wanna, didn't want to pay the $2,000 additional full self-driving cost. Uh, so I don't know how long it takes, but I figured I'd go ahead and get full self-driving. Um, but as far as the performance, that was out of my price range. But when I heard about the two motors are going to be the same versus the performance and non-performance versions, I got excited because I was thought, well, maybe down the road, my non-performance version will become a P3D. And Josh's situation kind of helped not confirm it, but at least uh, give me more hope that that situation is definitely possible. Whether I get more funds and be able to do a software upgrade or maybe when my warranty runs out, uh, somebody will come out with some software to uh, adjust or modify it and make it a P3D. So in either case, though, uh, I've got my hopes up. All right. Bye. 
It's not impossible, Glenn, that much is certain. At some point down the road, that could theoretically happen. What I think might be more likely, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying I think this will happen, I just think the odds of it are higher than a full performance software unlock fee, like you're talking about. But I think what's maybe more likely, the odds are better of, is that Tesla might do an update that just gives you a little bit more performance for free. We, the the quote-unquote uncorking. We saw that on the S and the X, and in those cases, it was actually pretty substantial. So that precedent has been set, and I suppose what Tesla will do is, over time, as more and more miles get on the cars, they'll look and see how the motors are holding up, how they're doing, and what amount of extra juice they might be able to tweak out of them without... Uh, compromising their reliability or their integrity in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. So, Glenn, thanks for calling in. Next, we've got Mark from Simi Valley responding to William in the UK about using the touchscreen dashboard with your non-dominant hand. Mark, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Simi Valley, California. I'm calling in regarding a question that Will from the UK had. Um, on your episode 166 about the right-hand drive version of the Model 3 when it gets to the UK and where majority of the people will uh, have to operate the touchscreen with their left hand and where 90% of the people are right-handed, how that would be. Um, since I'm in California, I obviously have a left-hand drive car, but I am left-handed. So I just wanted to pass along my experiences with that. Um, it's funny because I never even thought about it until I heard his question. Um, it's it's never been a problem. It, it's it's the touch screen is just so natural uh, when you use it. It takes very short period of time to get used to, and just wanted to let him know that he shouldn't have any problem operating that with his non-dominant hand. Um, so that's it. Just wanted to pass that little information along. And once again, thank you very much for all you do for us. Uh, love your podcast. Look forward to it each week. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Well, I've got nothing to add to this one, Mark. Just want to say thank you so much for calling in as a left-hand driving lefty. <laughs> uh, hopefully that'll reassure Will a little bit. Next up, we've got Dave from the UK who has a question for me about my Tesla experience thus far. Dave, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. It's just Dave here in the UK. Hope everything's going well. Uh, as usual, enjoy the podcast, listen, listen every week. Um, it's the first time I've called in, though, for a while. And really, it's just a general question. Um, you, you know, you've kind of been giving updates on where you've been in the car and how you're finding the experience. And I was just wondering, like, how your family feels about the car. Like, like I, I know um, I remember an episode ages ago... Um, when you were you were a bit kind of downbeat because uh, I think your wife wasn't too keen on on the on a large investment and stuff, but I think over time she came around and um, yeah, I, I was just wondering like if if you know if your family's you know driven the car, what your daughter thinks, you know, just those kind of things, and uh, I, I appreciate that's maybe quite a personal question, so um, I understand if you if you don't want to talk about that or or uh, discuss that on the on the podcast uh, so, so that's fine but yeah just just a little question out of curiosity really so again thanks for the podcast ryan I'll speak to you soon bye-bye dave you have a good memory 
Yes, there was a point a while back in the early days of this podcast, long before the car was anywhere close to delivery, when my wife was very much not on board with anything outside of basically a, a base model. She was fine with Tesla. She gets the mission and that an electric car is a good thing. But to her, a car was four wheels, four tires, and a steering wheel to get you where you needed to go. No more, no less. Uh, anything more than that was just red ink in the on the bank account, that money that could be invested elsewhere to her. And all that was all cars. This was not just a Tesla thing. Those all cars. That's how she she felt that way about my DeLorean, which was uh, which was tough for me, honestly. Uh, I mean, if I'm being real about it, but I will say that thankfully she really has come around. She's she's still not interested in driving the car. To be clear, the uh, I, I bring it up from time to time. She said the performance model just terrifies her. She admits that. And even though I said, hey, I could put it in chill for you if you want to drive it, I think she's probably afraid of anything happening to it with her behind the wheel because she knows how much this car means to me and she doesn't just doesn't even want to put herself in that position, which, you know, I don't want her to feel uncomfortable or intimidated like that. But at the same time, I don't want to force the issue like, hey, drive it, drive it, drive it. You know, I don't want to want to make it weird or anything. So um, anyway, as the podcast has grown and and uh, she has seen my questions getting answered by Elon Musk from time to time, uh, you know, th- this, that, and the other thing, my wife has started to see that that this whole Tesla thing, that it's more, it's just, it's bigger than just a car. I mean, she, she is seeing that now. And I will say she does love riding in it. I even, I told her my dream that I told you guys about of maybe just possibly having a chance to try and get enough referrals in order to get the Roadster. And the thing is, when I told her that, she did not look at me like I should be locked up in an asylum. And I say that, I know that sounds like a, a jokey thing to say, but I'm, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not totally serious, obviously. But what is serious is that a year ago, if I had said that to her, she would have looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. She would have just, there was no way that would have, that would have uh, gone over well at all. It would have just not, not, it would have either, she would have either just, you know, thought I was nuts or rolled her eyes or, or, or what have you. But now she gets like, oh yeah, I mean, you, it's possible maybe you could. And if you could, that would be incredible. That would be an amazing thing to, to, to accomplish and to, to have uh, that sort of generosity and that, that uh, kindness bestowed upon you if it did happen. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's the good news to report on the family front there. And even, I will mention my daughter, uh, she loves the Model 3 because it has a USB port on the back of the center console. She has a kid Kindle, one of the ones that's just a, you know, it's all walled off so she can't get to any like adult anything it's just all kid stuff on there and then it's got a huge rubber case so it's it just gets dropped and it's no problem and she listens to it she uses it a lot we try to limit the video games for her uh, but she listens to audiobooks on there a lot and so she likes to bring it in the car and listen to the audiobook so she loves the model 3 
because she can plug that Kindle into the car with that and thus not have to worry about the battery power. So she's super into that. And actually, uh, she really likes opening her own door from both the outside and the inside. She likes doing the handle from the outside. She's like, I want to do it. And then from the inside, same thing. When I drop her off at school, it's a curbside drop-off. Sometimes the teachers get over. She will try to beat them to it by pressing the button to unlock the car. So that is, she just, she loves the, I think, I don't know if it's the Tesla itself, or it could just be the fact that you know, my wife has a Mini Cooper and I had the Infinity Coupe. This is the first time she's ever had her own door. So I'm, I'm guessing it's it's a little of both probably, maybe a lot of just the own door thing and a little bit of the, the Tesla fun to it. But in any case, uh, there's that. And then finally, there's Daisy who currently, boy, I wish, I, <laughs> I wish you could see this right now. She is sleeping on the couch in a way like her head is on the armrest. Her legs are like splayed out. She looks, she, she, she's kind of got the Cleopatra thing going on. Like so, somebody should be feeding her, uh, not grapes, because I think those are bad for dogs, but <laughs> something else that would be appropriate. Anyway, uh, Daisy likes having a proper back seat, number one, which she's never had before. Not really anyway, because uh, she's, again, had to cram in through the, the, the two-door coops. But also, uh, Daisy likes the back of the center console as well, not for the USB port, but for the air conditioning vent that she can put her face right next to and get some nice cool air right in her face. So the family is doing well with the Model 3, I'm happy to report. Thank you for that call, Dave. And the final call this week comes from Jack, who has, you know what, I'll just let him talk and then I'm going to respond to this because I thought this was a great call. Jack, you have the last word. You're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Jack here. I have listened to you for a long time on IGN, and I'm new to the Tesla podcast. I'm considering buying a car, and I thought to myself, like, I'm trying to find enough new Tesla owner information. And I was wondering if there's maybe you've already done a podcast, which is for, like, beginners. Like, why Tesla? <clears throat> you know, obviously the environmental things and everything, but there's a lot of information to unpack. And I thought maybe a bonus episode or something for people who are new to Tesla to be to help consider purchasing one would be a really helpful tool. <clears throat> also, I've listened in the last few episodes I've listened to, you've mentioned environmental impact a few times, but I wonder if you've ever really addressed the disposal of lithium ion batteries and have you done any research into that? And would that be something you'd be interested in talking about on your podcast? Thank you very much. I've been listening to you for years, man. Take care. Okay, before I reply to Jack, Daisy has quite a boxer snore going on right now. Let me see if I can get this. Yeah, she's uh, she's snoring up a storm in that Cleopatra pose that I was mentioning a minute ago. Anyway, uh, Jack, first of all, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for giving it a try. I really sincerely appreciate it. And I have to hand it to you, your idea is a really, really good one. I heard that and went, yes, absolutely. So I am definitely going to do that. Uh, Finding the time might be a bit tricky, so I don't want to promise it with any sort of deadline on it, uh, even if we're applying Elon time to, this, to the equation. I'm not Elon, 
but we are in the Tesla universe here. So nevertheless, um, yeah, anyway, I, I agree that that would be a helpful resource for folks such as yourself who are learning about Tesla as the Model 3 continues to gain both mind share and market share. So until I can get that episode done, which I, I really truly do want to do sooner than late rather than later, and it'll, you know, I'll put it out to everybody. I'm not going to put it on Patreon or anything like that. I, I would want the whole point would be for new people to listen to it. So I, I really think that's a wonderful idea. But for now, uh, Jack, I would like to personally invite you and and any new listeners, any listeners that have questions about Teslas, about about the cars, about uh, their their you know whatever it is in the world of Tesla. If, you know you need some help onboarding in the world. Basically, I, I want to help do that. I mean, you know, we've got the the hotline here. You can call and stuff. But if you just you know you just have some some questions, I'm I'm always happy to spend time with you as well. Because again, I love talking Tesla. I mean, why the heck? wouldn't why why would I be doing this podcast if I didn't so uh, Jack you can reach me at Tesla podcast at gmail.com that goes for anybody else as well of course it's always it's always an open invitation and you know if you want to use the ride the lighting hotline to ask a question that you think everybody might benefit from you can go that way but if you just want to have a little private correspondence with me if you've got some questions you know before you're making a purchase, uh, maybe I convince you to use my referral code. I'm more than happy to, uh, to help answer any questions for you. Anyway, thanks to everybody for calling in another wonderful round of the Ride the Lightning hotline. So again, I invite you, I encourage you to participate. You can either e- uh, yeah, email your questions to me after you've recorded them on your smartphone's voice recorder uh, to teslapodcast at gmail.com, that same email address, or you can leave the message toll-free, the Ride the Lightning hotline, 1-888-989-TSLA. That's 1-888-989-8752. Try to keep those calls to a minute, minute and a half tops, please. Be right back after one more quick breather with some Spirit of Adventure adventures and the plugs and parting thoughts right after this. I had a pretty good week with the Spirit of Adventure. Finally got that tire done. Uh, didn't go on any drives per se last weekend, but I did stop by the brand new Daily City Supercharger location, which is uh, pretty much just outside of San Francisco. It is a 40-stall location, which ties it for the largest in the United States, along with Kettleman City, and I think it's the second largest in the world. I think it's, uh, I believe it's in Shanghai. There's a 50-something stall in an underground parking garage. Uh, anyway, so it's huge. And it's it's on the roof of a parking garage at a mall. And what's awesome about that is it's basically like a secret Tesla club up there. Because not only, you have to go up all these ramps in, with your car to get to the roof. But the fact is, most of the garage is empty. I've now been there three times. I stopped there on Saturday. I happen to stop there again on Sunday. And I just stopped there today on my way back from my uh, trip down to EA. I decided to just pop in and, and charge up for a few minutes. And uh, what I've noticed is, so on a Saturday, on a Sunday, and then Friday afternoon... 
there's no one, practically no one in this parking garage above the first floor. So there's the ground floor, there's you know, a decent amount of cars, but then you get to the second floor, very few cars, third floor, fourth floor, no one. Uh, and then you get up to the, the roof, the fifth floor, which is the roof. So it really, it's like this VIP, private, secret, awesome Tesla club. You'd only ever go up there if you were a Tesla. So it was super, it's super cool. It's huge. They're the urban superchargers. So they're the 72 kilowatt, you know, fixed charge rate. You're not going to go above that, but you're also not going to go below that. I wanted to give a shout out to Rich. Rich recognized me the first time I stopped there last weekend. He recognized me not from IGN and not even from this podcast. He recognized me from my volunteering time at the Fremont Delivery Hub when he was taking delivery of his beautiful blue P3D Plus. So, Rich, great to meet you. I hope maybe you're hearing this. I also uh, talked to a few other owners while I was there, not only that day, but then the next day when I stopped back, talked to some people, even talked to a nice gentleman today as well, him and his wife, who had just had, they, they had a, a black P3D Plus that uh, he was asking me about the white interior because he was saying, uh, I didn't really want the white interior, but they gave me, a, you know, basically they, he, he, they found a car for him that was close enough to his configuration right at the end of the quarter. So he took that. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was explaining my whole white interior cleaning process. And yeah, I just, I, I tell you, I love talking to people. I love talking about Tesla period again, hence the podcast, but I just, I love the superchargers because they are, kind of informal Tesla club meetups. They're great. I love them. Now, you know, some people just sit in their cars and chill and they don't want to be social and that's totally fine. But I think certainly all three times I've stopped at this, this new Daily City one, I've talked to somebody. And I would say of all of my supercharger stops so far overall, of which at this point I've got maybe, I don't know, eight, nine, ten total supercharger stops. I've talk to somebody at just about every time I would say. So I love it. I, I love, uh, I love this new location, beautiful view of, of uh, off the roof of this garage. And anyway, so very cool spot. If you're in the Bay area, check it out sometime. And then the other thing I wanted to mention just as, as a, this isn't a spirit of adventure thing, but just illustrative of what Tesla is doing. And I'm being totally serious here. So I, uh, I, I was walking Daisy over the weekend and I walked by a couple who were taking delivery at home. They were doing uh, the sales, uh, the delivery specialist had driven the car to them, the model three to their home. Uh, I could see it was obvious what it was. So I just was like, Oh, you, you taking delivery and, uh, talk to her for a few minutes. And she said, she goes, yeah, we're, we're not, we're, we've never been car people. We're not car people. Uh, and, and that quote just stuck with me. She told me that, uh, they had shared a Honda fit for 10 years. So, you know, a little economical, good fuel economy, just a little, you know, Hey, it's San Francisco. It's small. It's good fuel economy. You know, and they, they don't care. They're not car people. So, okay. And they, they're, she mentioned that their upstairs neighbor has a Model 3, and they, they, they bought one. And so that, if you just stop and think about that for a second, that is the disruptive 
power of Tesla in general and of the Model 3 specifically because of its lower price point. That quote, when she said, we're not car people, that quote should terrify the rest of the car industry. Or if they're smart, it should inspire them to say, hey, maybe we should get on this electrification thing and start thinking a little differently because think you know the greatest the most amazing new honda fit in the world probably wasn't going to get that uh that couple to spend $50,000 when they'd previously spent you know i think the fit is half that maybe i don't actually know but i know it's not in the model 3's price point price range so the fact is not, they're not car people. The word of mouth got to them. They bought one. Uh, and she actually, she contacted me after. I told her what I do, the podcast, and uh, she reached out after to say hi and say that she, they were doing super well. So uh, I just think that's incredible that Tesla has, you know, that, that's just a micro example of what this car is doing. I mean, this is so much untapped potential. That is disruption at its finest. So go Tesla, go Model 3, and uh, I, that is just going to keep right on happening. All righty, that brings me to the end of another podcast. I want to mention abstractocean.com, your best source for cool aftermarket Tesla accessories for your car and for you, whether you're buying the cool puddle lights that are very easy to install, they shine down. Actually, I still need to get mine. I gotta, I gotta order some. I st- I just, I've been so busy. I want to get the the original three horizontal lines, three logo for my car. But they have the 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 Arabic numeral three logo. They have the Tesla T, and then the S and the X logos as well that you can it'll just project down from your doors onto the onto the like like the bat signal but onto the onto the concrete onto the pavement uh, underneath your door so those are super cool uh they've got upgraded interior led lighting kits for like the footwells and stuff in any of the teslas um all kinds of stuff uh tempered screen glass protectors, anyway, etc., etc. Just go browse around, see what they've got. AbstractOcean.com, because they continue to offer the 15% off discount code for listeners of this podcast. If it's your first time buying at AbstractOcean.com, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST. Use that code at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order. And then, of course, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, continuing to see more and more Model 3s his way. He's telling me that uh, a lot of folks are hearing about it from this podcast, uh, which is great to hear because, again, Jeff just... A really, you know, it's, when, you, when you meet a really genuinely good person, like it's, it's one thing, you know, you meet a business, you, you do business with somebody and they do a great professional job, but... Jeff's a good, just a good person as well. He really, he's been great to me. I'm happy that uh, I could have my car worked on by him with the detailing stuff. And if you are interested in that as well, you can look up his website to see more about him and and Immaculate Reflections at irdetailing.com. And again, he does the full range, whether you want to do a clay bar, 
and, and wax, just a nice deep clean, or you want to do new car delivery prep, which is basically what I did with the, you know, if you want to do any or all of paint correction, paint protection film, the ceramic coating, any of that, all of that, uh, Immaculate Reflections has you covered. So check that out if you're interested. Uh, meanwhile, the Patreon. I sincerely appreciate anybody that sees fit to support me on Patreon and the uh, time and energy that goes into this podcast each and every week. You can find more information at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It really does uh, make a huge difference in my life if you do see fit to contribute. It'll always be totally optional, but it's there if, uh, if you'd like to, to do that. You can follow me on Twitter if you're interested. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram. That's where all the Spirit of Adventure pictures go. Uh, Instagram slash DMC underscore Ryan. Email, of course, I've given that a couple times this week, teslapodcast at gmail.com on that. And then I, of course, want to mention the referral code. Uh, doing well here, off to a good start on the the impossible dream. Let's call it the, you know what? I'm going to name the car that. If, I, if it somehow comes true and I have to go on a cross-country road trip to give everybody who uses my code uh, a ride in it, which I swear, I swear I will do it. It's a 620 mile range. What that would be, that would be a great excuse to, to drive it, to, to have a cool trip and to meet a bunch of you. I'm, you got, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm completely serious. Anyway, uh, the quest for the Tesla Roadster, uh, if you see fit now, it's not just about me. It's a mutual exchange. Uh, I get one step closer to the Roadster. You, in ordering your Tesla, get a $100 supercharger credit that's going to be good for, again, roughly roughly a year's worth of supercharging. Could be a little more, depending how often you're long-distance traveling and where you live, because uh, California is a little more expensive, but on the supercharger rates. Anyway, $100 supercharging credit for you if you use my referral code when you order any new Tesla. That's any new S any new X, and any new Model 3, whether it's long-range, dual motor, or performance, any of them, the code now works, and you get that supercharging credit. So my code is Ryan73014, and you can either give that to a sales advisor if you're ordering in person at a Tesla location, or if you're ordering online, type this into a browser window, ts.la slash Ryan73014. That will take you, uh, sorry, 73, to clarify, 73014, not the letter O, 73014. And that will take you to the design studio where you can choose SX3 or solar. Hey, if you're doing solar, you can use the referral code as well. I'd never even mentioned that, but that's in there. And then just configure your car, order it, and you're done. And the code with, uh, with your supercharging credit will be baked in. I want to, let's see, close out. Still a couple more plugs. Lots of plugs, but it's all, it's all, it's all stuff I believe in. That's the, that's the nice thing. The Jada wireless charging pad. I'm happy with mine. I've heard uh, good feedback so far from people in my audience that have, that have bought it. So uh, I don't have a discount code for that, unfortunately, as I've said, but 
If you are planning to buy one, I would super appreciate if you would use this URL because uh, I get a couple of bucks on a referral for this from the sale. So the the URL would be getjada.com, Jada spelled J-E-D-A. So getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. That is the, the, uh, the website link for that. And uh, that'll do it. What's, that's everybody. Oh, of course, the Patreon producers. I cannot forget them because they are the people that I uh, owe a lot of gratitude to because they are supporting me at the Patreon producer level, which means they get pretty well all the perks that I offer over there on Patreon. So thank you, as always. Thank you for your continued support to Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., who I'm looking forward to meeting here pretty soon. He's going to be in town. Looking forward to that. Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Rick Sinta, Bill Royko, Scott Gillis, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, JC at ev-alliance.co.uk, otherwise known as Cookie UK, and EV Raps. And hey, if you stuck around this long, I totally forgot to mention one more thing, and that is the Atari games. The four Atari games that are in version 9, I got to uh, make a video at work, so I got to spend work hours doing Tesla stuff. Yes, <laughs> that rarely happens. So I was uh, glad to do that. My my boss's boss, Pear, has a Model S. He got the update first, so he kindly lent me his car for an hour or two, went and shot a video that's on IGN or on YouTube.com slash IGN. You can see me giving you a walkthrough of the four games, uh, Asteroids, Centipede, uh, Lunar Lander, and Missile Command. They, I gotta say, like, I... I'd, I wouldn't play them for more than five minutes, honestly, but maybe that's kind of the point, is they're a quick distraction while you're supercharging. And I would say that the, the neat novelty part is like with Lunar Lander, for instance, you can use the steering wheel to turn your Lunar Lander, to turn your ship, as you, and then use the steering wheel buttons to fire the thrusters. So that's pretty cool. I mean, remember Elon has said that pole position is what is one of the next games that they'll add, and they are going to do the thing where they are going to make the steering wheel be a controller for the car in pole position, which is cool. But it's it's in there now, so you can test that out. And I have to say, there. Uh, so pair his S, he has a an MCU one. So uh, and I have in my Model Three the MCU two. There was a there was a noticeable difference in the performance of those games on the newer GPU, the newer screen versus the older screen. It's it's fine on the older screen, but it's it's noticeably it's a noticeably smoother experience on the new ones, which is kind of unfortunate because they're Atari games. <laughs> they can't require that much horsepower to be emulating. But I don't know. I'm I'm also not a programmer, so it may be a much more complicated task than 
than I think it is. But in any case, um, yeah, I got to make a video at work about Tesla. So if you're interested in that, go to youtube.com slash IGN. Anyway, that's it. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, do so on your favorite podcast service, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, but preferably Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, aka In Your Tesla, on Spotify, on YouTube, or at the hosting site teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Again, subscribing is not a pay thing. It's a this will download to you automatically every week so that you don't have to go get it yourself kind of thing. That'll wrap it up. I've been yammering on for way too long here at the end of the show, as I seem to be prone to do. You would think I'd be talked out after over an hour of this every week, but no. I told you, I love, I love talking about Tesla stuff, and I can just keep doing it endlessly. So I will respect your time and stop now. That is everything on my planner anyway. That Everything I wanted to get to. I'm glad I remembered the Atari thing at the last minute there. Anyway, for a sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 167. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment, mm. make it's maximum fun. <laughs>